Hey everyone, it's Eric and Gina Robinson back with the Eat Scripture podcast. And we are continuing our series on topology. We're in Genesis 45 today. Yes. And just um, really excited to continue this story of Joseph. This chapter we're about to do is um, kind of the, I feel like it's a climax to what we've been very climactic feeling. Yeah. yeah. Joseph is really going to, he's going to expose himself here to, to his brothers in the sense that he's going to say, Hey, I'm the one that you mm-hmm. thought you had, you know, gotten rid of so long ago. The one that you thought was dead, the one that you thought uh, would be sold as a slave and you'd never see again. I'm now leader of the king of e- uh, leader of Egypt, just under Pharaoh. So this is a giant, chapter and we've kind of been right. waiting for it as readers There's we've been, been so like this is drama building to this yeah and we're finally here to this moment yeah and so it's kind of exciting very exciting i think and so yeah whenever we get into this i think we're going to see that this is going to give us some big big clues again on how to read it typologically just by the words that are being said in the mm-hmm. passage itself and mm-hmm. be seeing jesus story come through so, so when um, we ended last time, yeah. we kind of talked about these first three verses and about uh-huh. um, Joseph is at the point he is so overcome and right. he reveals himself, but the brothers couldn't answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Yes. Yeah. They are they are very, very shocked of who they're seeing. Yes, they can't believe it. This is that what we considered very prideful young man, little boy, the dreamer kid (laughs) that we were getting rid of. He's the one who's now become the second over all of Egypt. It doesn't say that they're thinking about those dreams that Joseph told them about long ago, but I'm sure at some point over the next few months, they started thinking, hey, wait a second. We were bowing to him, just like those dreams that we got so mad at him about so long ago. Yeah. so yeah, he's he's painted. We've painted this picture now. Joseph is completely himself overcome with emotion, and just wants them to know who he is and to bring this connection back together with them. And, and I kind of wonder if he really didn't intend to, if he just thought he would keep Benjamin there with him, but then Judah's speech and his um, love for his father. Yes. And protection of the brother uh, touched something in Joseph that he decided to save them all. Yeah, I have wondered that too. The way it's written, it may be that Joseph's first intention was to just keep Benjamin and him together Mm -hmm. there. But he's realized even by hearing Judah that, oh my goodness, I love these brothers of mine. And they're, maybe he's even realized they're different men. You know, I mean, maybe that uh, hearing Judah Judah would be enough maybe to make him go, wait a second we need to be together. They, there's, this is not the same people that I've talked to before. And so he starts by asking him, is my father still alive? He can hardly believe it. Mm-hmm. But uh, in verse three that I say, they can hardly believe it. And, and so they, they're speechless. They can't even answer his question at first, but his first question is, is, is dad still living? You know, he's, he's still concerned about right. the life of his father. Right. So, we lead up to that point, and then we go into verse four. I think this would be a good place for us to start reading verses four through six, 
4 through 15, okay. just this uh, next portion here. Okay. Okay, beginning in Genesis 45, verse 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. And there I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brothers, brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt, and of all that you have seen, Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there is this truly heartfelt moment. People are starting to get their voice back, but Joseph has to keep going with them mm -hmm. for a second before they can even to reiterate buy into what they're seeing. Yep. So he says, come over here close to me, come near to me. And this come near to me uh, really speaks to you. Yeah. Because he's asking them to come closer. They yes. do come closer. They'd come near. And yes. then when he talks about, uh, them dwelling in the land of Goshen. Yes. That means drawing near. Goshen means that. Yes, to draw near. And then it says, and you shall be near me. Mm. He's really yes. pulling them in. And yeah. I love that. I especially do. Especially when we're talking about the topology. Yes, especially aspect. when we're thinking of the Jesus aspect of this. Him drawing these brothers near who were the ones who really took his life away from him. I mean, right. they didn't kill him, but they very much took the life that he thought they he would really have away left from him. For them. Dead. Right. Yep. And so he's drawing them near, like you said. That's just the Jesus aspect of this, the the forgiveness and the reunion aspect of this yes. in and the how, idea of Jesus. Just how near he is to us. And oh yes, you know. Oh yes. Anyway, I just love him. And his caution to them in verse five: Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. To preserve life. Wow. He's God sent me before you. So yeah. he's all he's introducing this idea, which we're going to hear him keep talking about. He's going to be talking okay. about it all the way through chapter 50. Where, okay, you brothers, you thought you were up to something of your own design. 
but God was always doing something through it that was much greater and bigger than you could have possibly thought. And he's laying this on them here for the first time, really giving them an understanding that from his perspective, this has always been God's plan. He has reached the point in his life where he can look at it all and not be the least bit hateful toward his brothers because he can see God's hand working through the entire thing. I just, I can see him just saying this through tears, just Mm -hmm. tears of joy. He suddenly, maybe he hasn't gotten it before now either. I don't know, but we don't know. He definitely understands. And he tells them, you know, this famine has been in the land for two years, but there's going to be five more. You're, you're not going to be able to survive this. Yeah. Unless you come here and stay with me, I can save your life. Right. And God wants to preserve a remnant for you. Yes. He wants for there to be a remnant left of our people, our family on the earth to keep alive many survivors because he's the one who did this. He's the one who sent me here. You didn't, but God did. Verse eight, he says it again. And look what he's done to put me in this position to make a way for you Mm -hmm. to be saved. Mm Mm-hmm. It even says in verse eight that he made me a father to Pharaoh. I know that's just that's weird. an interesting like, way to what? put it. We always picture Pharaoh being older than Joseph, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. There were many yeah. young pharaohs uh, that held the seat of right. the throne from very early ages. And so if he just happens to be in the right line and he's a young pharaoh and then he hears from Joseph, and his pronouncement is, look, this this man right here is the man who we need to put in charge. Mm-hmm. Everybody is going to, if his wise men, you know, are, are kind of on board with it and don't try to talk him out of it or anything. I mean, ultimately, though, he's Pharaoh. His, his will will stand. And if he's totally taken with Joseph and his ways, then Pharaoh, young, even young Pharaoh, can pronounce this is the one who needs to be ruling us. And More again, than anything, he looks... Pharaoh looks to him as an advisor. Yes. As someone who is wise and right. Right. can take care of things. So So maybe he's even taking the role of kind of a father figure, but certainly like you're saying, advisor, one who can give good advice, can take care of things, can keep things in order, you know, another one like that. So so that's an interesting pronouncement. And then he just says for them to hurry, to yes, go get his father. Hurry, don't tarry. Yes. And tell him that God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't tarry. He wants his dad there as soon as possible. Go tell him I'm the Lord of all Egypt, which again, we've talked about this before, is the known world. To an, if you're an Egyptian, I mean, there's nothing, you're not thinking of anything outside of Egypt except some small territories where there are people who are constantly dependent on Egypt for their their own needs and their ways. But really, Egypt is the center of your little universe. And so, in essence, Joseph is second in charge of the known world. Right. Right. And so he, he wants them to deliver this word to their dad. And then, like you've already brought up, verse 10, he tells them where they're going to live is in Goshen. And you shall be near me. Well, like you said already, that's the land of drawing near. So even in that, we have a yeah. typological uh, understanding that that Come name to right the land there. Of drawing near, yes, and you shall be near me. And we, as God's people, 
certainly live in the land of drawing near to Jesus. That's yes. where we live right now under him uh, is in his that land. And we're always near him. Uh, and then he says, I'm going to provide for you during this time of famine. You won't have need of anything. And he tells them that his brother Benjamin sees and they can see that everything that he said to them is true and they need to hurry again and go tell their father, get my father down here as quickly as possible in verse 13. And then he just starts crying on them all. And talks about in Benjamin specifically cries on his neck. Benjamin cries back, um, and they both have this moment together. But then but he kisses all the brothers. He's crying on everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's this great, great sense of reunion and reunification of the family here, and he wants them to hurry and go get dad. Again, I get a picture of that road to Emmaus scene and after they come back and and where he opens their eyes because it says there in verse 12 and now your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see yeah that it is my mouth that speaks to you mm -hmm. and this revealing and opening their eyes to to see that it's it's him yeah it's all him yeah definitely all him and that that's beautiful because we need that that picture goes with everything that we're saying mm -hmm. right now. And that's what we're really seeing that come out more and more. When we start verse 16 following and, and Pharaoh gets involved, Pharaoh's very much wanting this to take place because it's Joseph's family. Right. Joseph is so dear Joseph. to Joseph, right. to Pharaoh that he wants those who are connected to Joseph. They should get the best treatment that we have. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Here we go again. More typology. The one who's truly in charge, and, and then Joseph is second only to him. He's the one who says, Joseph, you have family that needs taken care of? Well, they should have the best of everything that Egypt has. And not because then. of anything they've done. That's just right. because they're connected oh, to Joseph. There's the beauty of it right there. Oh, my goodness. Pharaoh's never even met these people. But because they're connected to Joseph, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. We're going to give them the very best of everything that they have. Right. And he even, you know, says that they're not to worry about uh, any goods or, that they have or anything that they're leaving behind in the land of Canaan because they're going to get the very best of Egypt. So right. uh, they're not going to have to worry about a thing once they get there. So just hurry up, go get everybody, take wagons, take whatever's necessary. Mm -hmm. Pile all your people, your livestock in those and get them up here as soon as possible. Right. Give them the and best this, place. We've seen this before in scripture where there's this urgency. Hurry up. Do it now. Uh, yes. And we see that yeah. in the New Testament where Jesus is calling his disciples. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, you know, don't stay behind to bury the dead. Right. The time to follow me is now. Mm -hmm. And so I think that. Yeah, I think we are hearing that kind of thing coming out here. I think we've heard that kind of thing, too, like you're saying in Genesis 24 already, um, where there was an opportunity for the bride to stay behind for a while. The mm -hmm. idea was, hey, let her stay right. back for a while. She can go whenever she's ready. And it was the servant who had come on Abraham's behalf who said, no, we need to go right now. If she's saying yes, that means we're leaving. Right. And sure enough, she's good with that. Yes, that's what we'll do. We'll go. 
that's an indicator to all of us as the bride. Once we accept our place as the bride, it's time to go. We get to move on. Get behind Jesus. Go to him. Start making your life with him. So you don't get to say and then have a little, you know, play period for a while, you know, hang out for, for a while until you decide to finally get it together and go. Um, no. Once you're in, you're all in. You're all in. Yeah. After Pharaoh starts, uh, after Pharaoh has, has related all this now, um, we get to verse 21, where Joseph's going to give them a few more instructions and then they're going to go see their father. I think it would be good for us to start reading here in verse 21 and go through the end of the chapter and then we'll talk about that in a few okay. minutes. Chapter 45, verses 21 and following. The sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them, he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father, he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provisions for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to his brother Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, and he did not believe them. And when they told him all the words of Joseph, which, they, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Awesome. So we're hearing how now this Joseph is going to give them one more bit of direction before they leave now that Pharaoh's made it clear that this is what he wants to happen too. And as Joseph's talking to them, he's giving them wagons for everything that they need to bring back from uh, the land. And he's also just piling them high with stuff to take to mm -hmm. dad and the family. And he gives them each a change of clothes, which yep. is interesting. Yeah. And Benjamin, 300 shekels of silver. Yeah. And five changes of clothes. Yeah, he got five changes of clothes. He had five uh portions of food at the feast earlier. Yeah, exactly. And there are five years of the famine left. There mm -hmm. just seems to be five all over this yes. section. And so I don't know exactly, yeah. except that that's a number of grace, but I don't know. Yeah. If you look in, look is. in number understanding for biblical numbers, then five is the number of grace. Seems like that's what most people keep pointing toward. And certainly you see that coming out in Benjamin. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what, you know, the idea that he's just being showered with this love and grace because of who he is and his connection uh, to Joseph and his close connection to Joseph, that he just keeps being showered with this incredible amounts of good things uh, out of which is just showing the grace that Jesus has for those who are close to him, yes. possibly. Uh, and then, of course, the ten donkeys with, yep. with the good things of Egypt. I like that. Uh -huh. uh, ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provisions for the journey. Yes. Just yeah. sending all kinds of things for Jacob and mm -hmm. oh yeah, for them to be able to come back. No doubt. 
um, and and just all kinds of good things, which does again kind of again I'm going to reference winding up referencing Genesis 24 for when right. Abraham sends out the servant into the world to find a bride and bring her right. back. He sends that servant with ten camels yes. loaded with good things, with yes. gifts, uh, and and which the servant distributes once he finds that bride. And so I think there again we have this similar connection for a reason. Whenever the sons are going back here, they're going with the gifts of Egypt. I mean, they've come into contact with Joseph. He's they they're leaving with great amounts of gifts and stuff that they are then going to wind up distributing to their family and of course this will lead to jacob himself being overcome with the idea of what has transpired right. and what's actually taken place to each and all of them yes he had given the change of clothes it says to benjamin he also gave these 300 shekels of silver mm-hmm. so benjamin even got you know money uh with the deal and then five changes of clothes I just wanted to to talk about that again, just because the whole change of clothes idea is so interesting. Yes, I love that. Um, we are we are told in the We've New Testament a, that our coming to Christ in these chapters yeah, with Joseph. Exactly, anyway. we have that, and it's come up in Genesis many times. Mm-hmm. The idea of clothing and how clothing is used, and it can be used for definitely bad purposes, and sometimes depending on what you're putting on, right. and who you're trying to fool. Um, but in Scripture, clothes matter. Garments, yes, clothes, clothes matter. Yeah. What you're wearing, yeah. not because it's of its beauty, but because yeah. are you clothed in the right yes. thing? Are you clothed in righteousness? Are right. you clothed in the clothes that are prepared for a wedding, the wedding clothes? Yes, the wedding clothes. Yeah. And so here for Joseph to be the one who gives good clothes to them after now they've been mm-hmm. received and come That's close really to awesome. him. And yeah, it just sounds very much like that same beautiful New Testament picture that we've been hearing. Okay, so they depart. Now, you have said something very interesting about the very last verse of this paragraph, which is verse 24, the last little phrase there. What does it say? Really one of my favorites yeah. because they're going back to get their families to bring them to Egypt. And yep. um, he just tells them, the last thing he tells them is do not quarrel on the way. On the way. And I just think about how much quarreling we do. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be going out into the world and bringing and people bringing to come people. near to Jesus. Yes. And we and, quarrel. And we wind up quarreling. Over so every little thing. Yeah. And he yeah. knew that his brothers were prone to that. Yes. And he. So he strictly talks to them before to they that. leave. Don't quarrel. Mm-hmm. And so we come to Jesus. We get to know him, just like you're saying. And then we have the privilege of going back into the world and bringing other family members, Jesus' family yes. members, into his presence. And his admonition to us, I think, is the same. I right. think just like you do. Because he um, wants to come with us if we're quarreling. That's right. He's like, no, don't do that. That's the one thing I don't want you to do. Don't get mixed up in those quarrels while you're on the way. While you're on the way to get those who should be with me and who want to come with me, don't wind up getting mixed up in all sorts right. of fighting and quarreling together. I just want to write that on the wall somewhere. Do not quarrel along the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so important. They'd go home, they find Jacob in Canaan, 
And they tell him in verse 26. I can just hear him barely getting off the wagon. Where they're like, <laughs> Joseph is alive. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Joseph is still alive and he's ruler over all the land of Egypt. Right. It says, and his heart, it says this about Jacob, and his heart became numb for he did not believe them. I mean, this is just yeah. too hard to understand. I mean, this is not the kind of thing he can incorporate at all. And when it says his heart became numb, we don't know exactly how to interpret that. We don't know how that, what that means. What does an idiom like that mean? Does that mean he fainted? Does that mean that this was just something that left him staring off into space for a little bit? I mean, what in the world are we supposed to take from this? We don't know, but it's contrasted with the fact in, at the end of verse 27, that he's going to be revived. Yes. The spirit of their father revived. Yeah, so there's numb on the one hand, but then there's revival on the other. So when they told him all these words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. So this seems to be, he's like buying into it now. Well, oh my goodness, this explains, yeah, why they're back with all these, all these wagons, all this stuff loaded on, all these gifts, all these... Uh, It was actually kind of a step in faith for him because they've come back and told him some weird stories already. Uh, Yeah, they have. And he doesn't know what to believe. Yes. And so he is confirmed, though, decides this is the right thing. Um, Sure enough, his spirit is revived. And Israel says by the end of the chapter, it's enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So sure enough, he's accepted the fact, oh my goodness, I'm actually going to get to see my most loved son alive again. And in this, I think we can't help but hear how great the father's love is for this most loved son of his, how much he's longed to come into, to see him live again. To see him alive again, he's given up on it. He's got to be dead for sure. But now he's going to get to see him alive again. He's going to come to him. Now, there's a little hint of God in there too, in God's relationship with Jesus. But more than that, really, I think typologically here, we're talking about Israel. Right. Israel, the Israel of God, the people of God, who have given up on their Messiah by this time. Right. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Their hope is almost dead. Yeah. They really can't hardly believe that anything like that could ever happen. Right. And then they're given word of it. And it's proven out to them by all of these gifts, all of these things that they can see are, are the mm. true marks that sure enough, he must yeah, be go alive. Read he Acts. has to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> and now their spirit is, oh my goodness, he is alive. And we are going to get to, I am going to go into his presence mm. now. That's where I'm headed. I'm actually going to be in his presence now. Now, there's also this piece of this that you can't help but wonder if Paul is reading some of this later on and thinking as he's writing Romans chapter 9 through 11 about the Jewish nation and his desire that they return in force back to the Messiah, that he could be reading some Joseph going, look, it seems to me there could come a time when we see Israel, the the Israel of God, yes, come back. He's been reading this. He's taught by Jesus to read all of this about the about Jesus and his story. So when he sees this happening, is there something in him? He can see this could be 
the return of Israel to their Messiah, the one that they need so badly, which is his greatest hope, he says. I mean, that's what he longs to see happen. And so does he read in this and go, you know what? I think there's a time in the future when we are going to see all Israel uh, come and return to Jesus. Yes. And so can't, uh, I'm saying, not saying that's the only way to interpret that, but I'm saying it certainly bears some interesting thought whenever yeah. you're reading over something like this. But sh but either way, what we have is the picture of Jesus calling his people to himself and for them to receive with gladness. The uh, gifts and the provision yeah. and the land that he has. Yeah. That it's, a, it's interesting because we always think the promised land as being Canaan, and it is. Yes. But in this particular story, they're being led to Egypt. Yeah. Which yeah, we it's know funny, is right? going to not which turn course, out very well. Right. But in the beginning, it but was yes, great. without knowing that, without knowing what will happen, yeah, it is the place of great provision and sustenance. It's how, and, it's how God kept His uh, people alive. It's how He grew them yeah. into a large nation. Yeah, right. In Egypt, yeah. in this land of Goshen. Yeah. So, man, this stuff is so deep. Good stuff. We just keep going, and it keeps getting deeper. Um, we will continue with a little bit more of this Joseph story next time. Yes. And then we will press on after this. There's a <laughs> lot more. Stay in Joseph yeah. For years, another six weeks. Yeah, we <laughs> will keep going. See some other typology uh, before we're done, but we really appreciate you praying for us and thinking about us sharing the podcast and look forward to doing this with you next time. So God bless everybody. Have a great next few days.